evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Tosco. I'm hosting today's very special program. I'm doing the impossible today. I'm talking to you in Australia and I'm talking to the people of Victoria simultaneously in two separate formats. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unfortunately, this program had to be pre-recorded because while I'm talking to you, I'm also trying to raise some money for Community Radio 3CR, which is having its radio fund, its major fundraising event today, which is of no interest to you listeners in the rest of Australia, unless you want a radical, independent radio station to keep broadcasting across the nation. Uh, There are many programs, Community Radio 3CR, which are... Uh, broadcast via the Community Radio Network. Anarchist World this week is just one of them. Now, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, an anarchist society is a voluntary hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. That's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Very simple concepts, equal access to both to power and wealth. And why those ideas? Why specifically those ideas? Very simple. It's uh, very simple because it's inequalities in power and wealth which cause many of the uh, problems we face today. An an anarchist is somebody who believes in creating a society without hierarchy, a society without rulers. So how do you do that? You devolve power, you hold wealth in common. Simple concepts. And the thing is that anarchism is a 21st century idea. Not that it... It's, you know, it's been around for thousands of years, but it's only in the 21st century that the forces around us are pushing us into that direction. With increasing population growth, finite resources on planet Earth, uh, the domination of the planet by an economic system based on the creation of ever-increasing ever profits irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs and increasing greenhouse emissions are pushing us into a corner where we need to consider changing the very structures of society, the very way we interact, the very way we govern ourselves, the very way we manufacture things, the very way we live. Because it's a very simple proposition that as more and more of us need to share 
limited resources, the forces that have been at play in the world over the last two or three thousand years, things like competition, war, plundering, there are yesterday's ideas. Because if we continue down that path, it's quite logical that this planet will become uninhabitable within the next 20 to 30 years. And there will be major consequences for the human species, not that any of the other species on the planet would care very much what happens to the most destructive species that ever appeared on planet Earth in the history of planet Earth, but it does matter to us, it matters to our species. So we have to start exploring different methods of organisation because if we don't, we will drown in our own excrement. It's very simple. Seven billion today, nine billion in 20 years' time, finite resources, scientific innovations will help us along for a period of time and then you hit that blank wall. So political change, cultural change, which is based on the devolution of power and the holding of wealth in common, is a political and social and cultural solution which is diametrically opposed to what we see today. And what we see today is the greatest concentration of power and wealth in the hands of the fewest number of people on the planet. The fewest number of people on the planet. Never in the course of human history have so few owned and controlled so much. And it does have consequences. While we keep, you know, growing like, you know, like uh, rats and rabbits, we can tend to keep the wolf on the door by continuing to produce stuff that people need in order to survive and, more importantly, that people don't need in order to survive. But there will become a moment, a critical moment, where change must occur for human life to continue to exist on planet Earth. I know I sound like one of these uh, idiots with a little board around my neck saying, repent, the end is nigh. Well, I'm not telling you to repent. All I'm saying is you don't need to repent, but what we need to do is actually look at what we are doing. And if you're like me, you're at the exit tube of life, well, maybe we have a responsibility to those that are coming after us because in many regards... We, the older generation, have failed. We have failed. It's hard for me to say that. 50 years as an anarchist. 50 years, so much promise and hope during the 1968 upheavals around the world. So much hope that change was around the world. So much hope that we could cooperate instead of compete. So much hope that we could fulfil the needs of each and every person on the planet. So much hope that religion had been relegated to the fairyland. So much hope that technology would free us from the burdens of existence. So much hope destroyed. Hope the love child of desire and expectation, destroyed. Destroyed in a generation. 
destroyed because we have allowed we have allowed this to happen. Maybe not you individually. Maybe not people listening to this program who have tried for many decades to change things. But as a society, we have allowed this to occur. We have been blinded. We have been blinded by the lights, the consumer light, like rabbits staring at a light before we're shot dead. We have been blinded by consumerism. We have allowed the corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation and deregulation brigade to lead the charge and we have followed unquestioningly to get the cargo cult goods, the shiny trinkets which push us into a virtual existence. We have allowed this to occur. We have forgotten the importance of human relationships, the importance of talking to each other. As I said before, this program is pre-recorded, so you're not going to get scintillating analysis of uh, up-to-date events. And the reason I'm pre-recording this program is very simple. Currently, I'm in a Melbourne studio trying to raise money for Community Radio 3CR. It's their Radiophon week. And as the anarchists will this week, we attempt to raise money to keep 3CR on air. Because independent media has never been so important in the history of this country. Now, in case people have forgotten the origins of independent radio and why it was created, why those licences were given out in the mid-1970s by the Whitland government, it was to break the stranglehold, it was to break the monopoly that the corporate-owned media had over society. It was to break that stranglehold. That's what it was about. It was to break that stranglehold. And everybody listening to this program on a community radio station across Australia needs to understand that community radio is still a powerful force in this country, irrespective of how much babble there is on the World Wide Web, irrespective of how much stuff there is on YouTube, irrespective of Facebook, irrespective of all these new forms of communication. Because community radio gives us the power to decide our own future with like-minded people. It gives us the power to talk to people, change opinions, create movements. It gives us that power in a very real way. And in the mid-1970s, the Whitlam Labor government, hamstrung hamstrung by an Australian Broadcasting Corporation that had actually been destroyed, as far as independent news was concerned, and a corporate-owned media which campaigned extensively to denigrate all the achievements of the Whitlam Labor government, gave, gave out a number of community radio licences to allow people like you and me to actually have some control of the media. 
And over the decades, more and more community radio stations have been forced to rely on government grants to survive. And once your funding package is totally dependent on government grants, you basically become a hostage to the government of the day because they can turn the tap on and off at will. And unlike the corporate-owned media, we don't dance to the tune of a private master or mistress whose basic aim in having a radio station is basically, one, to make money, and two, more importantly, to try to mould society to suit their interests. And that's what we've seen with the corporate-owned media in this country and to a significant degree the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, this, this, this attempt to get us to become a cheer squad for the 1% who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, for us to accept holus bolus that capitalism, the creation of profit irrespective of the human, social and environmental consequences, is somehow a natural entity which is as useful and as nutritional as mother's milk. And community radio cuts across that. It allows minority viewpoints to be put forth. It allows communities to be formed. And it is so essential that we protect these licences and not become dependent on the corporate-owned media and advertising and government grants in order to survive. And that's why I've broadcast in community radio for 41 years now, for that very reason, because you wouldn't hear this analysis on any other radio station. I would have been kicked off years ago, like I was kicked off the ABC about 20 years ago. You know, that's why community radio is so important. That's why I see it as a privilege to be able to talk to you, interact with you on a weekly basis. It is a great privilege. And that's why, why I'm trying simultaneously to raise money for the community radio station I broadcast from, community radio station 3CR. I'm also broadcasting to you and have made this special pre-recorded broadcast in order to ensure that we continue to interact because change comes when the flames of hope are fanned. That's when change comes. When there's no hope, there's never any desire for change. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This is a special broadcast which has been pre-recorded for this week. Uh, my name is Joseph Oscar. I'm hosting today's program. I'm pre-recording this pro- program has been pre-recorded this week because while I'm talking to you via the Community Radio Network, I'm attempting to raise funds for community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, which is the radio station the Anarchist World this week uh, emanates from. So, I don't think it's much surprise to many of the listeners to the Anarchist World this week over the years The Banking Royal Commission has found that the financial sector is totally bankrupt, not just in terms of ethical and moral considerations, but in terms of the way, the way they exploit their customers, the way that the interests of the shareholder is always put before the interests of the customer 
the way they have been fraudulently exploiting people for decades, the way governments have allowed them to do that by ensuring the regulatory authorities which are supposed to regulate private behaviour, the behaviour of private corporations, has no legislative ability to regulate those corporations. And we've seen what decades of following a deregulation, corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation pathway has led to. Because Australia is a very interesting place in 2018. It's a very interesting place because it's never been so stratified before. It's never been so class divided before. Not in the traditional Marxist analysis of class, but a different but in the the development of a new class analysis, which is based on practical reality. It's just based on what we feel, what we see, what we touch, what we hear. Because Australia is divided into four distinct classes. Obviously, there's a little bit of overlap, but there are four distinct groups of people in our society and about 10% have done really, really well. And I'll talk about that those two classes, those two divisions within that class. And about 60% have muddled on. And we've muddled on, and I'm part of that 60%, and we've muddled on because of the availability of credit, the availability of money, which is provided by these corrupt financial institutions, by the availability, by nailing our souls to the wall, giving them control of our bodies and our souls for the privilege of existing and living and being part of consumer society. And then you've got the 30% of Australians who have really, really found it more and more and more difficult to survive, who are turning in on themselves instead of turning out against those who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. So class analysis, 21st century style, Joe Toscano style. Not that I claim credit for this. I'm sure everybody thinks the same. Well, most listeners to this program would think the same way. There's the one percenters. Those whose wealth has been exponentially exploded... That 1% of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, the billionaires, the multimillionaires, who have made their fortunes through privatisation of public assets, through allowing regulations to go by the wayside so they can maximise their profits, who have been able to destroy the organisations like unions which have traditionally protected working people and ensured that they received a fair return for their work. Because over the last 30 years, we've seen something really interesting happen, which most people don't comment on. We've seen what's happened to profits. 30 years ago, two-thirds of every dollar which was created as profits went back to the people who created that profit, working people. The people in jobs, one third went back to the investor. Today, 
the world's gone topsy-turvy through privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation and deregulation. We now have one-third, one-third of every dollar that's made, every dollar profit that's made by a business goes to the workers, the people who sell their labour to create that profit, and two-thirds goes to the investor. Two-thirds goes to the investor. And that has happened. And that has happened because we have allowed it to happen. We have allowed it to happen. Because we have allowed governments, we've elected governments which have passed legislation which actually benefits these people. We have gone from a mixed economy where there is a competition between the public and private sector to a corporate economy where the public sector basically ceases to exist except as a mechanism via which to control the lives of the 30% of people who rely on Social Security benefits to survive in this country. So it's a huge issue. It is a huge issue. A major issue. So you've got the one percenters. Then you've got the people who carry the valets, they call them, the investment class. Now, anybody can be part of the investment class, anybody who has disposable income, who can then use that disposable income to take uh, advantage of Australia's investment-friendly taxation laws to generate profits, not because of their energy but because uh, of their labour, but generate profits because of their ability to invest in things like housing, which is turned from a, uh, from a service to a commodity. We have laws in this country which benefit people financially if they own more than one home. Extraordinary, isn't it? Benefit people. We have laws in this country that benefit people who own stocks and shares. So anybody can be part of the investment class who's got disposable income. You may have inherited wealth, which you then invest, and you're part of that investment class. It takes up about 8% of Australians are part of the investment class. You may have a good job. You may be a blue-collar worker. You may be self-employed. You may be working for somebody else. And at the end of the week, you have disposable income, which you use to invest. And you get a return from that investment. So those traditional class analysis no longer holds true. You've got the one percenters, then you've got the investment class, about 8% of Australian society. Senior public servants, senior bureaucrats, workers in industries where they can make, with minimal competition, where they can make a lot of money in a quick period of time. So Australia has changed from a society where you had your traditional ruling class and your traditional working class to a society where you have your one percenters, which have always been there, but now you have a strong investment class who 
has a great influence in society as a whole, who make their money through the manipulation of parliament that now pass, seems to pass legislation to benefit them at the expense of the rest of the community. Then you have the working class, your traditional working class. And you may be employed, you may be self-employed. But if at the end of the week all you can do is meet your financial commitments, meet your loan repayments, meet your day-to-day living expenses and you don't have money to put aside to invest you are part of that new that working traditional working class. You can be white collar, you can be blue collar, you can be casual, you can be unionized, you can be non-unionized, you can be a professional. You can be, you know, in a casualized workforce, you can be in a permanent workforce. But as long as the end of the week what you bring in only covers your living costs, you are part of that working class. And that working class, to a significant degree, is hostage to the financial sector because they rely on loans to survive, on loans to purchase property, on loans to put the roof over their heads, on loans to have a holiday, and the list goes on and on. And then you have those 30% of Australians who have been left behind, Those 30% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive. The ineffectual new start allowance, an old age pension, a disability support pension, a single parent's pension. And over the last 40 years, we have seen legislative wave after legislative wave after legislating wave denigrating people who rely on social security benefits to survive, ensuring that they lead a hand-to-mouth existence. That's what we've seen. That's what we've seen and that's what we continue to see. This is what we are seeing. We are seeing every day People forced to the extremes. No wonder when you have 90% of the Australian population either part of the working class or part of the uh, social security class who are having day-to-day struggles to survive, you can see why the levels of anxiety, depression, hopelessness, damage to each other, interpersonal violence, family violence, all seem to be rising exponentially, irrespective of the laws which are passed to criminalise that type of behaviour, irrespective of how punitive these laws are, irrespective of the number of jails that have been built. We see more and more tension within the community we see the development of a less caring society. We see it on a day-to-day basis. It is part of our DNA. It is part of the air we breathe, this callousness, this immoral, unethical behaviour most of us are involved in. 
either by choice or because we're pushed into that situation. Because, you see, the lucky country, and when, when Donald Horne wrote The Lucky Country, has been facetious. He didn't actually mean it. It was a facetious title. I mean, there's been further books like The Lucky Country for Summer, and this goes on and on. The thing is that we now live in a society where people like you and me are losers. We are considered to be losers. People who receive social security benefits are described as bludgers and losers. People who are hostages to the financial institutions and banks, people who have no disposable income at the end of the day, who pay their taxes, obey the laws do what is right, attempt to work in an ethical and moral way, are considered to be losers. No wonder there is such little respect for authority in 21st century Australia. Such little respect for authority. Because ordinary, hard-working people who do what they can to survive and look after their families, look after their responsibilities, pay their bills, pay their taxes, obey the law, they are losers. We're considered to be losers. The whole moral and ethical quagmire we find ourselves in is to a significant degree due to the privatisation, deregulation, corporatisation, globalisation push that has occurred over the last four decades. Well, who are the winners? Who are the heroes? Who are the heroines? Well, obviously, it's the billionaires. It's those who have made their fortunes by manipulating the system to suit their personal ends. You don't care about the damage that their behaviour causes. And nothing highlights this more than the criminal behaviour of this country's financial institutions, which is finally, after decades of resistance, been finally exposed in the Financial Sector and Banking Royal Commission, which has got truncated uh, uh, references of responsibility. Finally, we are seeing the human cost of their behaviour. Selling insurance policies, which they had no intention of paying up on. Selling insurance policies that are so bodgy you could never claim on them. Laundering money in terms of hundreds of millions of dollars. Criminal cartel behaviour. Doing everything they could to maximise shareholder return. At the very real, very real pain and suffering which occurs amongst people who find themselves in such difficult financial situations, who've done the right thing, who are treated as human garbage. And if you add the number of suicides, 
family breakups, family violence, health issues directly related to the criminal behaviour of this country's financial and banking sector. You can actually see the damage they have caused is almost as much as the damage caused by by, um, pedophiles within this country's institutions and religious organisations. Just as much. But we tend to gloss it over. Oh, he went bankrupt. He made a bad financial decision. The list goes on and on. So there are consequences, and there are very real consequences. We have seen the transformation of this community from a society that attempted to provide the basic needs of many of the people in it, not everyone, but many, to a society where the only the needs of the investment class and the one percenters, the ruling class, the traditional ruling class, seems to be important. Everybody else is collateral damage. As long as you sweep off enough crumbs off the table which people will fight over, then there is no, no direction. There is no... People are not held to account. And why are we slowly, slowly beginning to see charges being laid? It's very simple. Because of community pressure. Community pressure on non-performing politicians. Community pressure on the media to do something about this cancer in our society. And it is a cancer. Corporate capitalism is a cancer. You listen to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. You can phone me on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. You want, to do, you want to join a new political party, a new political movement that's actually looking at these issues? There wants to be registered as a federal political party to take the fight up in the parliamentary sphere as well as involve itself in community action. And what is that number? You can join public interest before corporate interest. Download the application form, PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I dot net. PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download that application form. Do it now. Do it now. Join today. It's simple. You haven't got a computer? Write to me, Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052, and I'll send you out an application form to join PIPSI. I'm currently the Secretary Convener and a Foundation Member of Public Interest before Corporate Interests. So, and you can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public, to see what I'm involved in. And, you know, we're involved in a lot of activities because it's action which greases the wheel of change. Because we've kind of been seduced, not just by consumer gadgets, 
and the consumer world and the bright lights in the past few decades, but we've been seduced by something even more all-encompassing, the virtual world. We have forgotten the change comes when people take action. It doesn't come when you push a button and like something. It doesn't come when you surf the net. It doesn't come when you read extensively. It comes when you take that step where you move from thinking about things, reading about things, supporting things virtually, to actually opening the front door. That's right. It's a radical concept. You open the front door to your dwelling and you walk out on the street and you look around you and you use the virtual world to find like-minded people, to form groups, to form associations, to get involved in action. You use that virtual world to help you organise. But it doesn't take the place of organisation as many people seem to believe. You can like as many things as you like, but it really doesn't make any difference at the end of the day. You block once, you know, one entrance to one corporate office and you can do more in terms of highlighting an issue than clicking a button 154 million times. Think about it. The seduction of technology. It seduces us. It cocoons us. It makes us think that we're powerful, that we can influence things, when in reality all it does is put us in a little cul-de-sac where we go around and around and around and around, thinking we're doing something while we're doing nothing. It's extraordinary, really, when you think about it. Quite extraordinary the how technology has been used to control us. Well, we do have options. People say, well, what's the point, Joe? They say, what's the point, Joe Toscana? What's the point? This is all depressing. You're depressing me. You're depressing me, you know? This is all depressing. What's the point? Well, the point is that change starts somewhere. It starts somewhere. The struggle to end slavery, which went over a number of centuries, started somewhere. The struggle to set up a social security net started somewhere. The struggle to form bargaining entities like unions started somewhere. The struggle for essential infrastructure to be publicly owned in the past started somewhere. All these struggles start somewhere and they start when you open that door and step out onto the street. It's not good enough opening the window and shouting out the window. It's not good enough, you know, surfing the net and thinking what a wonderful human being you are because you've pledged support to 677 organisations in the last three hours. It's not good enough. Well... It may be for you that day, but in terms of change, it isn't. 
Physical change comes when we take physical action. And I'm not talking about violent action. Let's get this right. The state needs violence in order to justify its existence. The terrorist threat is the lifeblood of the state because it allows the legislation to be passed which criminalises normal behaviour, criminalises behaviour like an occupation, criminalises behaviour like standing in front of a doorway, criminalised behaviour like withdrawing your labour, striking. So violence is the lifeblood of the state. It's the lifeblood of the ruling classes because if they can get us to think that they protect us, not exploit us, but protect us from this violence out there, they've won the battle. So this is a peaceful movement I'm talking about. I'm talking about creating a peaceful mass movement for change. And that's the key, a mass movement. When people say enough is enough, as we've seen with the Financial and Banking Royal Commission, which took 20 years to be held, as we saw with the Royal Commission into institutionalised abuse, which has lifted the lid on decades of abuse against children in this country's religious and non-religious-based institutions. That took decades to be come to fruition. Decades. So as I keep saying to you, what are you? You've got three choices in life, as far as I'm concerned. The first choice is, <clears throat> are you going to become an activist or are you just going to sit there? There's always room for armchair activists. It sells a lot of armchairs. And if you're going to become an activist, are you going to become a meteorite or are you going to be a meteorite or a star? You see, meteorites are interesting. They're flashy, but they burn out very quickly. You see them in one corner of the sky and then they burn out, they fizzle out. Stars are up there for all eternity until the end of the universe. And that's what we need as activists. We need stars. We need people who won't burn out in a year because they think they're going to change the world in a year. We are not going to change the world in a year. The struggle for human advancement is a slow, incremental struggle. Sometimes we're pushed back. Sometimes we race forwards. But the majority of time we are struggling, struggling to maintain that space to maintain those rights and liberties we currently have won, to maintain that economic independence that we have fought for. But occasionally, it's like a tug of war. Occasionally, you win and you rush forward in a very short period of time. And the job of an activist is to create that feeling that desire, that hope for change, that it's possible, that you can take on City Hall, as we're seeing with the financial and banking sector, and you can win. 
You can't stamp on, on their toes. You can't take on governments and win. And if governments turn their instruments of oppression on you, well, so be it. Because when they've done that, they have lost that struggle. They may be able to contain it for a few more years or a few more decades, but in the end, you cannot physically contain that desire for change. And we are at a very important juncture in human history because we're moving back to the 1920s and 30s. And people are looking for strong leaders with simple solutions. Expel the asylum seekers. Close the borders. Vilify the other. Give me that power and your life will change. Of course it won't change. Or we turn on each other. She's wearing something on her head I don't like. He's a different colour. He supports a different football club. She's wearing flashy clothes. So they're happy when we maim and kill each other. They're happy when we turn on each other. They're happy when we are dislocated, disjointed, resistance. And we see the issues the other. And that's what fascism is, is all about. It's about creating that climate which can be exploited by the ruling classes to maintain their power. And we see where fascism leads. (laughs) We see where it leads every day. So we are at a juncture in human history. We can rely on a strong leader who will use the state apparatus to exploit us and exploit other people in order to satisfy their own whims and fantasies. Or we can resist that. We can resist that. We can change things. We can work collectively. We can work together. We don't need to compete against each other. We can hold wealth in common. We can use different mechanisms to make decisions like direct democratic methods. We can do that. Constantly, we have that capacity to create a world within a world, to create an independent community within an independent community. For example, the economy, we're told there's only two options in life. You either work for the government or you work for the private sector. That's it. Nothing else in a capitalist society. You work for the government as a public servant or you work for the private sector. You can be self-employed within the private sector or you can work for a small business, you can work for a micro-business, you can work for a transnational corporation. So you've got the private sector and the public sector. Nothing in between. Nothing in between. Well, there is something in between. Something we can create today something that has a long history. We can create collectives and cooperatives within a capitalist culture, within Australian society today. And what does a collective and a cooperative do? It actually 
allows the people involved in that association the ability to be financially independent, to share resources, to share profits and to compete in the marketplace and actually provide work for its members, sustainable work, productive work, useful work. Because a lot of work isn't productive, useful or sustainable. So why don't we have 1% of the $2 trillion which float around in superannuation companies, which are basically used to oil the capitalist system on a daily basis? Why isn't 1% used to provide seeding funding for the establishment of cooperatives and collectives that need capital in order to survive. Why not? Just another mechanism of looking at things. Why should we allow the private sector to dominate every aspect of human behaviour? We're told it's more efficient. Is it more efficient when 40 cents of every dollar which is handed over by the public sector, the Treasury, to a private corporation to do a job a public sector worker could do, goes, is, is you know, lost, used, you know, to make profits for infrastructure? Think about it. Why do we need to outsource everything? We're outsourcing everything in 2018 even talking about outsourcing the hex debt. We outsource the provision of social security benefits. We outsource homelessness. We outsource many segments of the public health sector. We have outsourced completely energy generation. What a mess. What a mess. An essential service like the generation of energy, which is critical, critical to the functioning of any society of the private sector. And what do we see? Total chaos. And why? And why do we give away our natural resources to transnational corporations to develop who don't pay tax on the windfall profits they make and in many cases don't even pay royalties on the windfall profits they make and cause damage to the environment while filling up their pockets. True, true vandals, true vandals. Why do we allow them to get away with it? I mean, don't we live in the Commonwealth of Australia? Isn't wealth held in common? Aren't we part of that community? Shouldn't we all be able to share in the wealth of this land? Shouldn't we all be able to share in the wealth of this land? It is the Commonwealth. Why do we have governments which are so weak that we continue to elect governments that are so weak that they can't even provide the basic necessities of life to each and every member of our community? Why do we allow ourselves to be exploited? I mean, this is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. We live in supposedly the world's most livable country. 
We have a miserable 25 million people living on a resource-rich continent. And we can't even look after the needs of the 90% of Australians who are basically prevented from sharing in the Commonwealth. For far too long, we have allowed this state of affairs to continue and it will continue until people demand that reforms are made, that radical social change occurs. It will continue. It will continue on a daily basis until people like you open the door, walk out onto the streets and work collectively and cooperatively with the people around you. It's simple. It is the human history. It's a lesson of human history. It's a lesson of his story and her story. It's a lesson of cooperation. People don't seem to understand that when you have 7 billion people on the planet, we need to be able to cooperate in order to exist. Because if we don't cooperate in order to exist, we will have major, major issues. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week. This is a special pre-recorded program. Uh, Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week. Next week, it'll be back on board. The whole of Australia will be listening to The Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network. It's been a pleasure talking to you, not at you, but talking with you. You can ring us on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can become a member of public interest before corporate interest by downloading the application form from PIBC, P-I-B-C-I.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public, Toscano for the Public. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network. Listen in next week to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah!